Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, and I'll be reading one verse, verse number 18, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. The Bible says, we know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And that wicked one toucheth him not. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have to look at your word and to hear from you. And I pray that you would use it tonight to challenge our hearts and to guide us, dear Lord, as we seek to live for you. Pray that you would speak to anyone under the sound of my voice who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior. And that every believer would be challenged, strengthened to take a closer walk with you. Continue to meet needs, dear Lord, as we know that you're working in the hearts and lives of people. Bless preaching of your word. Use it in a special way to accomplish your will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and glory that's due your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. This morning, as I was taking my children to school, I switched on the radio and there was a local morning talk show in progress. And the host, they were discussing religion, and I'm not sure of the preceding conversation that led to that and the context of the discussion, but I was intrigued as they were conversing regarding this, And one of the hosts, he asked this question, and I'm paraphrasing. He said to the other host, for people who say they believe in God, if they don't endeavor and strive to live in accordance with what God said, do they really believe in God. He seemed to be suggesting that without action to support the proclaimed belief, that the belief really is questionable. I thought that that was quite a statement for someone who doesn't, from what I can gather, claim to be a professing believer because the truth is that is precisely and exactly what James declares in James chapter 2 and verse number 26 when he concludes in that chapter dealing with faith and works that faith without works is dead. If somebody declares with their mouth and profess that I believe in this and I believe in that, but there is no action to support that belief, James is saying and declaring that what was called belief or what was called faith really is meaningless. This, my friend, is a very sobering thought that ought to cause us all to continually Examine ourselves because we have been blessed with a lot of 
knowledge. We are continually and have been exposed to truth. And that is a wonderful thing. It's good to know the truth. It's good to hear the truth. It's good to understand the truth. But with such exposure comes great responsibility to respond to the truth. To whom much is given, much is required. The Apostle John, here in the book of 1 John, understood that knowledge, knowledge of the Word of God, knowledge of the things of God, was an identifying characteristic of believers. We've been looking at this series through this expository preaching in 1 John for quite some time, and I've dubbed it the Christian signature because there are some things that John speaks to that are woven throughout this epistle that indicate beyond any shadow of a doubt that a child of God ought to be distinctive as a believer. Amen? There ought to be some things that are noticeable in the life of a person who names the name of Christ that signifies, identifies them to truly be a child of God. And in chapter 5, John summarizes, if you will, a number of proofs of this great salvation that we have received. And we're here looking at this final proof, as I see it in, this, in these verses that we read, not just here tonight, but prior, that the believer ought to have healthy concern regarding sin. Concern for this vice that, that resulted in putting Jesus on the cross. This vice of sin that, that we uh, struggle with, that we were hitherto held in bondage and continues to cause us problems in living the life that God has called us to live. And so notice in verse number 16, in relation to this concern for sin, we saw that John speaks to this issue of accountability. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but suffice it to say that when a believer and a body of believers have a healthy understanding of the depravity of sin, the dangerous effects of sin, there evolves within that a natural sense of accountability to one another. Because when I sin, it affects me, but it affects not only me, it affects those around me. What we do affects each other when it comes to this matter of sin. As such, John mentions in verse 16, if any man sees his brother sin or sin which is not under death, he shall ask. In other words, he would get involved actively not to condemn, not to bring down, but to help because when it comes to this matter of sin, we are all affected. But John goes on and deals with another aspect of this concern for sin. And he speaks to this aspect of awareness. Notice how in these verses, up until the end of the chapter, we see this word continually. This word, no. 
Look how it's found in verse number 18. We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth. In verse number 19, and we know that we are of God. Verse number 20, and we know that the Son of God is come. John is speaking here to the fact that as believers, when it comes to this matter of sin, there is a special awareness that God has given to us by way of his word, by way of his Holy Spirit. Uh, make no mistake about it, my friend. As a child of God who's been born again by the Spirit of God, we have a special awareness of some things spiritually that a person who is still dead in trespasses and sins does not have. And so John here speaks to this matter of awareness. Last time we looked at the fact that we know the seriousness of sin. We are aware of its consequences. We are aware that it can be conclusive. John says that there is a sin that's unto death. Meaning a child of God must understand that sin is so serious that a person can step over the line and would have gone too far that death Physical death is the consequence of such sin. Wow. Tells me sin is serious. And as such, a believer ought to live a life with some caution to live a life of holiness because of the consequences of sin. But tonight I want us to look in verse 18 at something else we ought to know. And that is the solution for sin. Thank God that as bad as sin is, my friend, a child of God, ought to know on the authority of God's word and the leading of the Holy Spirit, the solution for the problem of sin. Aren't you glad when you have the solution to a problem? Listen, not having the solution for a problem can cause you stress and grief and gray hair. But when you have the solution, my friend, you can apply it to the problem. And the solution is found in verse number 18. Notice what John says. With confidence, we know. And it's great to know that whosoever, look at this, is Born of God, sinneth not. What's the solution for sin? The solution for sin, understand clearly from these verses, my friend, understand that it has a divine source. The solution for sin requires a supernatural miracle. What is that miracle? To be born of God. It's no accident that John uses this word to be born. He's the same writer in the Gospel of John chapter 3 that says you must be born again. He uses an analogy from the physical process of birth to make a spiritual application. Now let's think of physical birth. All of us would have been born physically but notice when you think of birth, birth and your birth in particular did not happen by your own initiative. Your birth 
resulted from the action of your parents. And the subsequent process of the miracle of birth led to us being born of our parents. So to be born of God, understand very clearly that it requires God's involvement. He is responsible for the mechanism whereby we would be born of him. That's why John said in John chapter 3 and verse 5 through 8, he says, Jesus answered very, very, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whether it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. What is John saying in, the, in this latter verse here? He's saying that, listen, this thing is such a supernatural miracle. It is divine in nature, such that it is beyond our human comprehension to figure out how it happens. We cannot figure it out. All we can do, we can see the effects and the results and know that it took place. Listen, my friend, consider yourself blessed if you are born again tonight, that you are privileged, that you are the result of a supernatural miracle. That's a blessing. It's a divine source. Never think that salvation is a result of our human effort. Never think that the salvation that we have is because we, 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 our good outweighed our bad. No, my friend, it was initiated and the mechanism is provided by Almighty God himself. And notice what John says, that whosoever... I'm glad that this remedy is available to every man, woman, boy, or girl. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your ethnic origin. He says, whosoever is born of God, sin it not. Now, when John says, whosoever is born of God, sin it not, you may have the question and you may say, well, I'm born again, but how come I'm not sinlessly perfect? Now, understand that John is speaking to the spirit man. He's speaking to the spirit man that is born of God. Keep in mind that when you and I are born again, we're renewed, made alive, revived in our spirit but we still have a flesh. That's why the Bible says, walk in the spirit and he shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you realize that if a child of God is walking in the spirit and uh, living in the spirit and the spirit is in total control, that that person would not sin? So whenever we sin, it means that our flesh Is the component that has produced that sin, not the spirit. And so that's why John says, whosoever is born of God, what is born of God cannot sin. It's a divine source. But notice, secondly, 
second aspect of this verse is so important when it comes to the solution for sin. There has to be a divine source, but notice that there is also a desire for sanctification. Look at, look at what the Bible says. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. Now, when it comes to being born of God, we couldn't do that on our own. Of course, we, we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and he, we experience the new birth. But here in the second part, John is speaking here to the fact that when we are begotten of God or born of God, there's some things that we have to do. We have some responsibilities that are placed on our shoulders. We have a desire to be clean from sin. To not let the flesh control. Not let the flesh determine our actions. This, my friend, is what's called progressive sanctification. When we are born again by the Spirit of God, positionally we are declared righteous. But of course, we still have the capacity to sin in our lives and in our actions because of the presence of the sin nature. But John says when that person is born again, this person has a desire to keep himself. The context here clearly points to the fact that this person ought to keep themselves from sin. Notice John has just spoken to that sin in verses 16 and verse number 17 when he addressed the seriousness of sin. So note with me that a believer should not only desire to live a holy life, but, mark it down, take the necessary action necessary to do so. Oftentimes, we neglect the things that we must do in order to not sin. You know that sinning is not the result of an airborne virus. You know, we, we sneeze instinctively and, you know, have these symptoms as a result of something that has come over us. But my friend, when it comes to sin, there are some things that you and I can put in place to actually prevent ourselves from sinning. Think of a pilot. A pilot flying to a destination must do some things to keep himself and all of the passengers and crew aboard of that aircraft safe. You probably wouldn't be surprised to know that while my wife was flying, I was busy tracking every motion pretty much of the aircraft until it got to its final destination. And as I looked at my screen while the flight was 
in progress, I was amazed to see how many other aircraft were in the air at the same time. And with that kind of congestion, so to speak, in the air, the pilot of each of these aircraft must follow a flight plan. That flight plan means that that pilot is required to fly at a particular altitude. They're required to fly at a particular speed. They're required to fly a particular route. That pilot can't decide, well, I'm up here in the big blue sky. Let me just decide to go this way. I watched that, that, as that aircraft took off and the altitude increased steadily. And as soon as it got to 35,000 feet, it stopped ascending. And it stayed at that 35,000 feet until it began descending. Not one mile above. It was precise. It was exact. Here's something else that a pilot must do. Stay in touch with the control tower. Do you know that when a pilot is flying, they hand off at various points to different control towers. Why? Because they can't do their own thing. No, a pilot must make certain decisions and use their skills to fly. But they may, must pay, stay in contact with the control tower. They must uh, pay attention to their flight instruments in the cockpit that let them be aware of the altitude, their airspeed, their vertical speed, their direction. Listen, they cannot afford to be distracted. My friend, let me say this. When it comes to living our Christian life, we cannot afford to be distracted. And here's something we must be mindful of. This world is not going to help us be successful living this Christian life. Don't expect this world to assist. In fact, this world will hinder us at every turn. There's simple things that can't even be described as sinful, but would distract us from doing what we should be doing. Just today, as I was preparing this message, I paused to log on to Facebook because I was trying to get the ferry schedule for tomorrow so that I could figure out what boat Janetta would be likely taking if the flight is on time. You could tell I'm eager. So I logged into Facebook for that particular purpose. 10, 15 minutes later, I'm on Facebook looking at something else 
logged off and forgot what I went on there to look at in the first place. Distractions. Distractions from what we should be doing. My friend, when it comes to living this Christian life, we must be vigilant. There are things that will continually prevent us from being in the house of God. And being in the house of God, under the word of God, my friend, let me say this categorically without any apologies, that it is vital for our spiritual stamina to hear the word of God, to fight the devil, to help our flesh to, to be suppressed, to stay focused, to live a productive Christian life. We got to battle discouragement. We need to stay in the word and pray in the spirit. Pray for wisdom because our human fleshly thinking, my friend, it will lead us astray. It's literally a lifesaver when we can keep ourselves on track because we are paying attention to the manual. We stay in touch with God. Just like a pilot stays in touch with the control tower. We got to pay attention to our flight instruments, so to speak. Am I losing altitude? Am I as faithful in my Bible reading and prayer as I once was? Am I yielding to temptation? Am I not as excited about my Christian life as I was before? Am I, am I not as faithful to my ministry? Am I off course, heading in the wrong direction, my friend? Is there a need to get back in connection with the control tower? We need his guidance. We need his wisdom. We need him if we're going to keep ourselves just as a pilot does not rely on solely on his vision. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot trust our own judgment, our intellect, our feelings, and our emotions to live this Christian life. And that is applicable from the pastor to every single person. I cannot rely on my own human thinking. And we must take the necessary steps to keep ourselves from sin. It will not happen automatically. Let me close with this verse. I'd like you to turn there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. Think that we are talking about the Apostle Paul, one who most would tell you was the greatest Christian who ever lived. And if you want to be able to emulate someone who's successful, find out what they did. What was the approach? But listen to what he, speaking of himself, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27 says. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? 
so run that he may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Means that he's controlled, he, he's focused, he's disciplined. Not every number play. No, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Look at what he says in verse number 26. I therefore, meaning if they can run to obtain a corruptible crown and they could do it with such determination, such vigor, such discipline. Well, I'm fighting for an incorruptible crown. I have to be even more disciplined. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, certainly rather, so fight I, not as one that beat at the air. Listen, I have to be have a disciplined approach. I have to know why I'm doing what I'm doing and to do it with determination. Not as one that beat at the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. No one else can do this for you but you. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This, my friend, is exactly and precisely what John was talking about when he said in verse number 18 that he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. It requires some discipline. It requires some determination. It requires putting some things in place. Staying in touch. Close connection with God. Listening to his word. Praying to him. Putting his instructions into practice. Monitoring where we are with God. And if we are losing altitude, if we are losing focus, making the necessary adjustments. John says, a child of God ought to have a healthy concern for sin. And that concern for sin is going to result in an awareness of some things. An awareness that sin is serious. Sin is destructive. But thank God, we've also been given an awareness of the solution for sin. It's possible not to be sinlessly perfect, but you know it's possible to live a life that's not constantly wrapped up in sin. It's possible. But we got to walk in the Spirit. We got to know what the Spirit is saying and not lean to our own understanding. There's so much that can be said. But suffice it to say, we all need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you when we have a teachable spirit, God will reveal what we need to do. I'm telling you, God is teaching me. 
There are lots of things that I need to learn. And there are lots of things that I'm learning. And none of us, we have it all figured out. But God has given us a Bible to help us. Let's thank him that he has availed to us the solution for living a holy life.